0: Morning, church. How are you? Good, good. I'm glad you're here. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm the pastor. And and how how cool we we are still baptizing people, right? Something's going on here that people keep wanting to get dunked, and we're gonna keep dunking them. We're gonna keep dunking them. If you want to get baptized, so we baptized more the, at the first service, and now so um uh, if seriously, if you really are interested and haven't done it, um you, I, well, let me just really really. Uh, encourage you to think about all right what would that look like what what does that mean for me to get baptized so um uh, also uh, yesterday we had a number of people come and and help tidy up beautify this campus we had i think over a hundred come out to help with our work day which is great it was like perfect weather so if you came out i want to say thank you thank you for being a part of that for putting some hard work in yeah that's great we can give them a round of applause up there I know I uh, I made it look like I was working. I was here, and so I did about five minutes of work, rubbed some dirt on me, and then uh, no, I was out here too. It was great. It was great. So um, uh, uh, we're on our series now. We're starting the series Daniel, and um, Daniel is uh, Daniel is a different kind of book, and and my goal this morning. Isn't that you walk away saying like, "Oh, now I, I understand Daniel. I, I get it." My goal is that by the end of this service, you are excited to read and think more about Daniel. That really, this is almost just like a, a preview of what's to come. So, um, you know, when when um, uh, if you, for those of us that went to college, if you went to college, I remember going to college. My first class and like the first classes where you're trying to learn. Okay, I, I'm out of high school now. I'm 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 in college now which which just means like I'm at a, you know I'm back in school like yay and, and, and but I remember um, the first class and then every first class from then on out was the same the first class of every class you take of every semester was the same and it was like you have to go otherwise you're gonna miss all the important stuff but you don't learn a thing on that first class you don't learn anything here's what they do they give you the syllabus you remember this And you're like, the syllabus. And that's literally like, sometimes you could even show up to class and be like, can I just get the syllabus and leave? Like, that's I know that's what I need, right? And the syllabus was, here's what this class is about. Here's what uh, you can expect. Here's what the weeks look like. Here's your homework. Here's the the general topics we're going to go over, kind of an an overview. And then it was, okay, next class, we're going to get into it. Okay, this morning is our syllabus for Daniel. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at Daniel from a large kind of bird's eye view. We're gonna go high and look down and say, this is the the whole of Daniel. And we're also gonna dive deep because Daniel is complex. And I promise you, whatever level of understanding or involvement or reading you have of Daniel, you're gonna walk away today saying, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Wow, okay. And my hope, my goal is that by the end, you say, okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited to go through Daniel for the summer because Daniel is a different kind of book. And, and for most of us, I'm gonna imagine um, uh, most of what we know about Daniel really comes from just two chapters. And and we know we know these because of like, if you grew up in church, like these are the stories you learned in Sunday school, right? And there's two, you know what they are, ready? Here's the first one. You know what it is that's maybe correct i don't know what you said <laughs> daniel in the lion's den right it's like oh of course like daniel in the lion's den right like he goes and he jumps in with lions and they don't eat them and everyone it's great everyone's smiling this wonderful it's like super happy ending always good and then there's the fiery furnace with these three guys with crazy names shadrach meshach and abednego right and if if you're by the way if if you're maybe like a young mom or pregnant um having a boy great names to think about okay (laughs) especially if you have triplets like this dude is done do your job is done so so you know that story right but outside of that i'm gonna imagine a lot of us probably probably don't know maybe much if anything really about daniel and about what is in it. So um, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna go through it this summer, but I also have some resources for you to think about. And, and uh, th- they'll be on the screen so you can either take a picture or you can, uh, you can scan the, the QR code on the seat in front of you and it'll pull up our website and it'll have um, all these three resources as well. Two of them are journals. This first one is, is called the ESV Scripture Journal. And this is just simply the passage. So like if it's Daniel, Daniel on the left, blank page on the right so for you if if you would like and uh, you can go online grab this get it shipped to you if it's Amazon you can you know two day ship it if you have it and and this can become almost like you're all right this is my my summer uh, sermon journal where I'm gonna come on Sunday I can take notes on the right I can have the passage on the left and, and through summers I get through summer like wow I have I have Daniel like I have a good understanding at least a, a better understanding of of Daniel, I can, You can write prayer notes, whatever you want. Journal as, as you go, right? Just just super simple so you feel like I can write in here without having to like write in the, the tiny margins of my Bible. Great, they give you paper. Here's the second one. This is another journal. It's called the, uh, the it's an NET Bible, the Abide Bible Journal. And this is the same kind of idea. So here's Daniel and it's got cool lions on the front. Sweet. Um, and, and it's got the, the passage scripture on the left, uh, a place to write on the right. But it also has, this one adds devotional questions. So this has like okay for your own study you can do sermon notes but also like read this passage here's some questions think about so you're interacting now a kind of a guided tour of Daniel so a little bit more involved than just blank pages okay so you can grab this these I think each of these are like a couple bucks maybe four bucks so you can go you can get those online um, and then and then for those of you who want to like dive deep and you're like all right I'm all in and right now you might be like oh, I don't know at the end of the service hopefully you're like okay I'm in. Um you can grab this. There's there's countless uh commentaries on Daniel and a lot of them like the ones I'm reading are like eight, nine hundred pages, a 1, thousand, twelve hundred pages. That might you might see that and be like, that's Crazy. I've never read that many pages in my life, let alone. So this is far more bite-sized. It's like I think a couple hundred pages. Um, it's called Daniel for You, and it's a it's a very readable, interactive commentary on Daniel. So if you're just going through the book of Daniel and wanting to know, all right, I need to know more, more detail than even what we can get on a Sunday, just simply for time. You can grab this and it's written so you can go through it devotionally. You can kind of each morning kind of read a little bit, go through it, and 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 by the end of this, you'll have a, 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 an even better understanding of Daniel. So you can grab those, do as much or as little as you like. We're going to be going through Daniel this summer, and, and this morning, we're going to be doing um, an overview. So Daniel, Daniel is not like any other book of the Bible. It's, it's, not, it's, not, um, it's not a book of the Bible to read, to take lightly. Like you don't just say like you know what I got to read something new I want to read something super encouraging just really simple Daniel Daniel I'll read Daniel and you may start and be like oh yeah these are great stories and then you get to certain some certain chapters and you're like what what is this I don't un- what does this mean and 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 it's 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 um, Daniel is very much is very much a complex and it takes work to really understand sometimes too much that people just give up and say, I I don't know what all this means. Like I'll read something else. And so Daniel can can easily become a very avoided book. Plus Daniel is controversial. There's things in here that, that, um, that, we won't agree on, let alone scholars and commentators will take different positions on and disagree on and, and, and wholeheartedly disagree on. And, and sometimes they're like polar opposite. It isn't like, well, I think it's this. Well, I think it's a little bit like this. It's no, 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 I think it's this. No, 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 I think it's this. Okay. And so because we can't even agree on the content of Daniel, a lot of times people just say, well, why even try? And, and, and this adds to the confusion and, and the reason why a lot of Christians and a lot of pastors and churches just avoid Daniel altogether. Like, let's just do something else. Even, even in our, in our, um, we do a creative team meeting every Monday and we, the pastors get together and we point, we t- review the service, talk about upcoming service, plan the future, sermon series. And I remember um, Daniel coming up. I don't even remember who brought it up or how it came up. And it was one of those, oh, Daniel, you guys want to do Daniel? Yeah, it'd be fun for you. Daniel is intense. Okay, you know, all right. And, and, and they won. And here we are going through Daniel. Daniel is so much so, listen, yeah, here's one commentator writes this. This is great. I read this and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. This guy writes this. Why, he asks this question, why should preachers risk taking into their pulpits the time bombs that tick away in the book of Daniel? <laughs> He's like, why, why would you even want to do this? because there's so much in here that people just can get easily riled up and, and fight over. So I want to speak to you before we even get into the, the overview and the structure and the timeline of David, um, of David. <laughs> yeah, we're reading the book of David. But, um, before we even get into Daniel, uh, I want to talk about our posture because this, this is important. Our, how we approach it, our attitude, our attitude, Towards how we read Daniel is really, really important. So here are some options. We're, we're tempted with a number of different kind of um, ways to think about specifically the, the content that shows up in Daniel and, and certainly in Revelation, what often we refer to as end times or in theology is called eschatology, the study of end times. And, and, and here's what can happen. We can easily get to what I like to call end times phobia, where we have a fear of anything related to, or thinking about, or or um, or hearing about, or reading about end times. Anything up what's often referred to as apocalyptic writing. It makes us nervous. We get anxious. We get scared. Maybe we don't like thinking about the future because, like, it talks about God's judgment. I don't want to. I don't want to think about that. And, and that. I don't. That may, that makes me. I just get anxious. Um, it 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 feels kind of creepy, and so um, there's nothing. Or we said there's nothing we can do to change it. So whatever, it's gonna happen no matter what. So I, I don't need to think about it. I don't need it. We don't need to talk about it. Or or they'll say it's it's so confusing. I just I tried reading it once, and it was it was just too much. So I don't even want to. I don't. Why bother? So we can we can easily get to a, a point where we we. Read, we see apocalyptic literature, which Daniel has in it, and we say, I don't wanna deal with it. And we avoid it altogether. That's one temptation. The other, if the pendulum were to swing all the way to the other side, is what we could call end times mania. In that we all we think about is this, that we obsess over apocalyptic writings about the end times. We try to figure out how it all fits. We try to have a nice, neat timeline. And then we try to figure out what current events fit on that timeline. And, and listen, there are a lot of people who get really wealthy writing books about this, who turn out to be completely wrong. <laughs> and and if you, I mean, you could go back and look at books that have come out in the like, 1950s and 60s and 70s and 80s. And every time they're like, this is it. This is the end times because you know, this bill passed or because of this president, this is it. And, oh, that's not it. Okay, this is it. Jesus is coming back. Do you know Jesus was coming back in 1988? You missed it. Sorry. But then 1988 came and it was, oh, no, no, no. Now it's actually, it's 92. That's, that's we, did, we, we calculated it wrong. 92 came and went. And then it was, oh, it wasn't 88. It was 98. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing here every time you're wrong, you just push it out a few years. And there's guys, so like we can easily become so obsessed over making it all fit in a timeline. And then, and then what happens is, is we can do this. Our view is the right view. And I want everyone else to agree with my view. Now, my view actually is the right view. So if you agree with me, you're on the winning team. Good job. No, but, but really though, like I, we, we can get that way. And, and when we argue, it's not like a, oh yeah, I can see that. It's no, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. The guys I listen to are, are right. And, and in and, and time stuff, maybe you've, I don't know if you've had these conversations with people or maybe you've got, you've seen it happen and it's just like, wow, how are we fighting over this? Over like what we what we what we what we think to be true about the future that we can't really be sure about we're fighting over that, and then what i 've seen too is that an, an an overemphasis of end times can actually have a negative effect on people's lives. they become maybe more anxious or it can create a wedge in relationships or or people like hey they're nice, but like man, this has just gotten really intense there's a temptation to 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 dive too far into end times issues. So what I propose is a third way, and that's this, what I like to call end times humility, in which we hold our views with humility and with what I like to say is an open hand. A closed fist is I'm not letting go. This is true. There's nothing you can do to convince me otherwise, right? Jesus is the only way to God. It's through him only, by faith, through Christ alone. That's it okay that's closed fist for me I, I can't be convinced of salvation through any other way I, I, doesn't matter how much you explain to me like I know that to be true end times for me is okay I can be wrong I can gladly let go of, of a position or two because maybe I, I, I haven't really thought about it or, or oh I didn't I guess maybe that isn't accurate Like like I am okay saying this is what I think about end times but I'm not going to hold it so tight that I'm Gonna punch you? (laughs) Well, with an open hand, I hold this. So I hope that as we go through this, that that all of us would approach this and say, "All right, I, I don't." The goal isn't to be right. The goal is to trust God more. so we're gonna do that together. There's even a, um, Daniel even talks about this, this um, the pride versus the humble. He's, it says this in chapter four, and this is uh, Daniel writing the words of a, of a, a pagan king. And, and this pagan king is saying this, and those who walk in pride, he, referring to God, is able to humble. In Daniel itself, we see, hey, listen, those who are prideful, God God is able and does humble. I've also heard it said that every one of us, every one of us will be humbled. Either we choose to humble ourselves or we let God do it for us. (laughs) Uh, The latter is not the one you want. So for us, we approach and say, okay, with an open hand, here's what we read. Here's what seems to be true. This seems to make sense. So the structure of Daniel, are you ready? Now, here we go. You got your syllabus, okay? Ready? Taking notes? Here, sure. welcome to first day of class. <laughs> the first day, what is the saying? Welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. <laughs> okay, that's a little ominous, but it wasn't that. It wasn't meant to be that serious. Um, so day one, class one, here it is, overview. The structure of Daniel, and this, this is probably gonna be for you uh, the first kind of like, oh, wow, didn't know that. It's actually, we're going to see here, it's incredible. Um, so Daniel is really two, it's two themes or two sections. The first is what we could call historical narrative. It's history. And it's chapters one through six. And this is where we see the stories that we know. Daniel, Lions, Dan, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's other stories that happen as well. And so chapters one through six are history. And it's written in uh, the, um, the third person. So it's written as, and Daniel... Went here, and Daniel said, and Daniel decided, and Daniel prayed. Make sense? So it's written um, ab- with the literally the name Daniel. Okay. Then we get to the second half of the book, and this is uh, we could say prophecy. It's it's prophecy and apocalyptic, but we'll just call it prophecy. And and Dan- chapters seven through twelve are not written in third person; they're written in first person. So it says, "And I, I Daniel." Had a vision. I prayed. I spoke. I said. I decided. I saw. So it's, it's written completely different in its structure. Now that 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 poses some questions as to to why and and why would he why would he change how he speaks about himself? Now here's what's interesting too, um, uh, because it's because Daniel the first half and second half are so different. There's a lot of scholars, a lot of uh, modern critical scholars, um, who will say that Daniel didn't write this. Daniel, it says Daniel, but Daniel didn't write it. In fact, it was written hundreds of years after his life, after the events of Daniel have already happened. Um, and, and the evidence is clear. Uh, there's there's two different ways they refer to Daniel, and 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 it's so different. Like like there's a scene that runs right through chapter six and seven. I mean, it is clear. And what they'll say is this was two different authors. Two different people at different times writing this, and they just made it look like one book. They made it look like this was prophecy when actually it was written after the events had happened. Because because what's described in Daniel is so gosh darn accurate. I mean, it's like shocking. How accurate it is? There's no way someone knew ahead of time. This was clearly written later, and and even and even the the Daniel the the, the third person and first person is different. The content is different. Like like these are different documents. Now, as if that wasn't enough, Daniel is also written in two languages. Did you know that? Dan, and and by the way, one of those is not English. <laughs> This is your translation. Daniel is written in two languages. Now, now this is, the, this is the reason why we know Daniel's one book. It isn't because of the content. It isn't because, you know, we, we say it is. It's because of the arrangement of the languages. You guys, this is brilliant. This is stuff like I nerd out over. You're gonna be like, oh, okay, whatever. And I'm like, that's awesome. Um, here, it's written in two languages, but the split does not happen between six and seven. You would think naturally. Oh, right, the first half was written in this language, the second half, that's not how it works. Instead, it looks like this. So chapter one and then verse, and then chapters um, eight through 12 are written in Hebrew. Hebrew was the language of the Israelites. Like Daniel certainly would have known Hebrew. It would have been his first language. So this was, he wrote in his native tongue. And then there's a second language that shows up in chapters two through seven. And here it is. This language is not Hebrew. Any idea what it is? Want to take a guess? Come on, give it to me. Spanish? No? Wasn't Spanish? No? Greek? That's a great, great guess. Greek didn't exist yet. This language is Aramaic, which is a a cousin language to Hebrew, but it's different. Aramaic is also the language Jesus spoke. So this was already around, you know, when Jesus comes, he speaks Aramaic. Um, the, the, uh, what we're going to see is that this takes place in Babylon, and Babylonians spoke Aramaic. So Daniel is written in the, the native tongue, not just like his tongue, but also now the common language of the culture he's in, a different language. But the split, this chapter seven, is why it's so fascinating. If this were two writings, two authors, they wouldn't overlap. But this chapter seven acts almost like a Lego piece, like like two pieces that lock together. Like, all right, that makes one unit. The fact that it's written in two languages and then it splits at chapter seven, not six, is why we say is undeniable. This is one writing. It's one common thing, even though it looks feels so different. The languages are what. Isn't that cool? I think it's awesome, okay. Uh, this is, Honestly, this this kind of stuff is brilliant. It's brilliant when you look at the like from the, the large scale of like what God is doing, like, all right, you're gonna write this book, Daniel, and it's gonna be in two languages and I'm gonna have my overlap and it's gonna be so cool. Like, so cool. This guy, one day is gonna come, his name's Brandon, he's gonna nerd out over this so much because it's so cool. And then here's what we see. As if, as if, As if Daniel wasn't complicated enough. Daniel is not written like in a linear. Fashion. It's written in what's called a chiastic structure. You don't need to know what that means other than the fact that it's written with a very specific purpose. And here's what it looks like. So Daniel, the structure of Daniel is not like, all right, chapter one all the way to chapter seven. It looks like this. There's kind of a, um, a little dip in it. And, and the reason is because, so here's where I'll go from Daniel one to Daniel two to Daniel three, to Daniel four. So here, here's what it looks like. But Dan, each of those pairs, see those, those two, like the, the two columns there, those chapters pair together. The themes are the same. This is brilliant. Again, this is so brilliant. So chapters two and chapter seven are, are almost like a, a mirror image of each other. They pair together. Chapters three and chapter six are about God saving people. And these are the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the, the Daniel and the lion's den. They're both salvation stories of God's people. And, and then chapters four and five pair together and they're about God judging specific rulers. So, so Daniel's writing this not, listen, ready? Not chronologically, he's writing thematically. That's important. Because as we read through Daniel, it isn't like, okay, and this happened in year one, and then year two, and then year three. Daniel's gonna jump around a little bit because he's writing with a purpose, with a theme, an overall theme. It's not just a history of here's what happened. It's here's what happened, and and here's here's why it matters. So if we do do a timeline, here's a, a timeline of um of the book of Daniel and it starts in uh, 605 BC. So 600 years before Jesus comes on the scene, Daniel shows up. Daniel is sent into captivity and then it goes all the way through 536 BC. So what we see is this, the book of Daniel is not like over the course of like a few years or five years or 10 years. The book of Daniel spends 70 years of Daniel's life. So when you read Daniel, From chapter one through chapter 12, you've read 70 years of this man's life. Now here's what's interesting and we're gonna look at this in in a second. Daniel is captured as a teenager. He's, he's, uh, he's sent into exile into Babylon. So we'll look at this next week in more detail. Babylon comes, conquers Israel and takes for themselves the, the brightest, the smartest, the youngest, the, the most attractive, the strongest, the well-built. Like we want all of those to come with us. And Daniel, along with his friends, was one of those people. So Daniel, while he's a teenager, probably age 15 is kidnapped. He's He's a captive. Separated from his family, his family might have even been killed. We don't know, but he's now sent to a new land that isn't his own. Now it's hard for us to think about this. So like he gets he gets sent to exile along with his uh, with with his uh, with a lot of friends of his, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or some of those as well. Um, and 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 so for them, like he's gonna live. Listen, okay, ready? He's gonna live his entire life in exile, in a country that's not his, and he's been overtaken. I just want to go back home. I want to go back to Jerusalem. For seventy years, he lives in Babylon. His entire, literally, his, we could say, his entire, certainly, his entire adult life, he's in Babylon as a as a captive. Now, it's hard for us to understand like this, but but um, think of it like this: like uh, we live in Bend, Oregon, right? Uh, Think of it like, like as if Bend, Oregon were to be conquered by, oh, I don't know, California. And now, listen, could you first of all, could you imagine? <laughs> now we are all Californians. Like this isn't right, this isn't right. Like you pay what for taxes, right? you like, you're, your car registration is what? And you elect who? Like, although we're kind of dissimilar now. But, but it, it's, like, it's like living in a land that you're like, I don't want to be a part of. In fact, I, I left that place to get away from there and then now I'm back in it, right? Now we joke about California, but honestly, here's what it's really like. What this would have been like is if Germany had won World War II and then you and I, well, I mean, assuming we were alive, like whoever was alive at that point would have been not just like, okay, now you're German, now you got to learn German and here you live in your same town. It's no, 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 you're coming with us to Germany for the rest of your life. And you live in Nazi Germany and you gotta figure out how to have your faith in Nazi Germany. Oh, oh, that's what, that's what Daniel's like. That's the environment, that's the culture, that's the setting he finds himself in. Okay, man, if you think life is hard, if you, you know, things are rough and difficult, like can you imagine Daniel having to live his entire life captive? another land not his own, and still stay true to his faith. Daniel is an interesting book, but it's also not written chronologically. It's written thematically. So here's what it looks like. In the beginning, we'll go back to it. Daniel chapter one, and then it goes Daniel chapter two, three, four, and then it goes chapter five. Oh, wait a minute. Chapter five isn't for decades later. And in between that is sandwich chapter seven and eight. It happened long before we get to like what happens in five and six. And then he jumps back to nine and then 10, 11. So, so we don't read Daniel and say in order, this is what happened, but rather, okay, this is what we're supposed to know. And, and that these visions we're going to see in the second half kind of overlap the, the history, what happens in the first half. Does that make sense? So it's not written that way. It's written like this, but it happens like this. So Daniel Daniel is an incredible book. Are you, are you excited to read Daniel, to go through Daniel? Here's the themes. Okay, thematically now. Now this is the, as we talk about Daniel, and this is where we're gonna spend the rest of this morning is, is looking at, okay, so the overview of Daniel as we, as we read each chapter each week and go through it and talk about it, here's the kind of the, the, the thematic structure of Daniel. These are the things we need to be thinking about and remembering that will continually kind of show, kind of pop its head up throughout the book of Daniel. Here's the first one. There is a supernatural accuracy to Daniel that, that is hard to explain other than clearly this is God. The only way to explain this as not being God is this was written by someone else after the events happened. And we got to try and make it, make it all fit so that that could be true. It's not written by Daniel. It's just a fake. It's a, it's a forgery to look like Daniel wrote it, even though it happened much later, probably second century B.C., because here's what we see. The events in Daniel are incredibly accurate. Here's one example. So 300 years before this man was born, Daniel predicts in chapter eight, the coming of who eventually is known as Antiochus Epiphany. He's a guy you don't even know. He's a minor character in world history, but he shows up in Daniel and man, it is, in, it is so accurate. This very, his very small importance is described in such detail that it's It's breathtaking. 300 years prior to his existence. Daniel's accuracy is so good that it's a stumbling block for many scholars who say that's not possible. It's not possible that this guy could get all of this so, so with such minute detail. I mean, to the number of how how kings break into other kingdoms and then how they follow it up. I mean, it follows exactly to history as we see it. We'll look at this as we go through Daniel. And for a lot of people, a lot of certainly critical scholars will say, I don't, this, this, there's gotta be another explanation. It can't just be, well, God. So we literally read Daniel and we say, no, 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 actually there is a supernatural retelling and, and, and giving and, and visions given to Daniel that we can only explain with this was God. This was God wanting us to know What was going to happen there's another another thing that we see is the godly example of daniel we see throughout the book of daniel that daniel he's not a hero character he's not hero worship but rather that's how you keep faith in a hostile world in a world that is has everything against you in a world in a culture that is far different than your faith we look at daniel and say we need to be like that we need to be willing to stand up in culture and say no 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 Just like Daniel said, this is right and this is wrong. Okay, there are some things that we say this is right and this is wrong and I won't bow down even if it kills me. I won't bow down. He was uncompromising in an age of compromise and and he was a humble man of prayer and of scripture reading. We see that he would faithfully devoted himself to praying three times a day for his entire life in a country that was not at all Sharing of his faith We see this theme too And this is one I want to talk about For just a little bit of A moment here We see this theme of God's control Over nations and history God has sovereign control Over all nations and history Here's what that means God's in charge God is in charge World history we see throughout Daniel is traced out on a grand scale. We see marching armies marching over large areas of land. We see whole empires be built up and then taken down all through through Daniel. And then we see other empires replacing next empires. And it's all described in Daniel and it's all God saying, this is what's gonna happen. So trust me, I know what I'm doing. I know what's next. Daniel, trust me. I mean, it's going to get so intense for Daniel. There's going to be times where he's like, that's, a, that's it, enough. God, I've had enough. I don't want any more. I can't, I can't handle these visions. I can't handle all of that. I can't, I can't handle anymore. And he says, no, no, no. There's still some more. And I'll keep you through this. But listen, you trust me. What we see what we see throughout this is that God is always in charge. Always. There's nothing too big for the God of all history. There's no troops too large. There's no army too large. Listen, I want to talk about this just, just for a minute. This is maybe the first point we're going to step on toes, but here we go. Is there an election too big for God to use? But I don't like the results. Is it, is it, is it to a point where God says, I did not see that coming. <laughs> is, is there, Listen, is there an army too large? Are there weapons too destructive that God says, hold on, hold on, hold on. I wasn't prepared for this. I wasn't ready for this. Like I, when, when you guys had swords and stuff, that's fine. But now you have nuclear weapons. Like I, what do I do? Is God, is, is, that, is that how God, is that how he is on his throne? Like, oh man, wow, this is gonna get bad. I hope I can figure it out. Is there ever a time where God says, I don't know? Listen, is there any world power or any person in authority beyond God's ability to maintain control? Is there ever a world leader that steps up as, as great or as terrible as you may think they are, where God says, ooh, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this one. Listen, these, I mean, when we, when we put it like that, it almost sounds silly, right? It's rhetorical. Of course not. Of course not. But listen, if all we do is watch the news... If all we do is just let let the the out like the doom and gloom of everything that's happening just filter through us, boy, we can sure get to a point where we're like, man, I don't know. I don't know if God can do this. I mean I, I know he can, but I don't know. I don't know. Daniel, listen, Daniel is living in our equivalent of Nazi Germany. He is he has literally seen Israel loot. for us it would be we saw America get destroyed and now we're in captivity do you think that would be a good enough reason to say, God, are you still, are you still in charge of things? Do you still care about me? Like, look at my life. Look what you let happen to me. And God throughout this book of Daniel is gonna say, oh, Daniel, you better believe I'm in charge. You better believe I know what's going on. What we see in the book of Daniel, and we'll look at this, is that God is never surprised, never shocked, and, and, and he is always in control. He's in charge. He's in charge. Listen, that, that's great news, right? He's in charge. So guess what? You don't have to be. <laughs> and also, you don't get to be. <laughs> Here's another theme we see throughout the book of Daniel. We see the reality of the spiritual realm. This, I don't know what you think about, about like angelic beings. The, uh, the Bible, if you believe the Bible, it's pretty clear that, that these aren't like personifications of good and evil, but these are actual real beings that are good and evil. And di- David, uh, Daniel gives us a, a, a peek into the spiritual realm. It's almost like we get a curtain drawn back and he gets to see in to the spiritual realm. And what we see is, is um, there's details in Daniel that don't show up in other places in the scripture that we're like, wow. Angels act like that? Like when I, when I pray, maybe this happens and you get a peek into the, this is what's going on behind the scenes. We also see that for Daniel, that as much as it may make us uncomfortable or we just uh, don't know what to think about it, second to Revelation, Daniel has the most angelic interactions of any book of the Bible. Uh, Daniel, he involves he's involved a lot with angels. So much so that he's like, please no more, please no more no more i've seen enough of you and it's ter- every time it's terrifying i don't i can't do this i can't do this anymore daniel has a very a very detailed description of the spiritual realm and we should pay attention and here's the last one and this is the the main one that this is the, this is the whole this is the the foundation of all the foundations this is the reason that we should read daniel this is what we should pull out of it on every page we should let this jump forth and here it is ready this theme of the coming kingdom of the Messiah. There's a Messiah coming, a Christ. There's not a name in it. We don't know the name. We know the name. It, he's referring specifically to the coming of Jesus. And, and this shows up time and time again. We see that, that, that the description of the coming of the Messiah is described and is clearly prophesied in chapter 2 with Nebuchadnezzar's dream, um, we see that, that that Jesus himself, I believe that Christ himself actually shows up in Daniel chapter three. When we get to the chapter three, it's like, whoa, okay, here we go. I didn't, I didn't realize that. We see that in chapter seven, there's a maybe the clearest explanation of the Messiah's deity in all of the Old Testament. Here's what it says in chapter seven. Chapter seven is where Jesus gets, uh, it's where he gets his own nickname. So, um, I'm gonna guess some of us, we probably, you probably, maybe you have a nickname, right? And usually the way nicknames work is like someone says something funny about you and then other people laugh and then they keep repeating it and you're like, I hate this name. Stop calling me that name. And then you're like, I'm done. Now, now, that, now they'll call me it even more. And like you get a nickname and like that's, that's your nickname, right? And, and okay, here we go. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus nicknames himself. He gives himself a specific name and that name he gets from Daniel chapter 7 here's what it says this is daniel saying this and it's chapter 7 now so it's first person in my vision at night i looked and there before me was one how can i describe it he was like he was like a son of man there it is there's the nickname coming with the clouds of heaven he approached the the ancient of days the god the father and was led into his presence he was given authority Glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That shows up in Daniel. So when Jesus shows up, this humble rabbi who's kind of odd, he's got crazy teachings, he's doing miracles, and he calls himself the son of man. He says, I'm that one. What Daniel talked about, guess what? him. And it was this veiled description because it was like, oh, son of man. And we often think of, of the son of man referring to, oh, well, this was his humanity, right? He's the son of God because he was God and he was the son of man because he was fully man. No, 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 no. That's not what son of man means. Son of man is this, is this Messiah. And he says, oh, that's who I am. Daniel talked all about me. We see the, the coming of the Messiah show up here in Daniel. So, what's the point of all this? What should we think about when we think about Daniel? If we're to think of one thing when we read through Daniel as we go through each chapter week by week, and, and we and we talk about what this means and, and how this fits in with the grand scheme of things, what's the point? What's the theme that we read on every page of Daniel? Would you like to know it? Here it is, ready? When life makes you question if God really cares? He's still in control. In every page, what we see is when you question, when Daniel is tempted to question, God, do you even care? Look at me now. I'm living in Babylon. I'm having to learn their language. I'm having to figure out how they do life. They're they're wanting me to worship gods that aren't you. Do you even care about my situation? You, you You could speak the word and rescue me right now, but you're not. Do you even care? For, for you in your life, whatever you're going through, whatever's difficult for you, maybe the hardest moment in your life where you maybe have been tempted and maybe you've even questioned, God, I, I don't wanna say, are you even real? I, I know you're real, but I don't know. I don't know if you're thinking or caring about me. I don't know if if you're so busy with other stuff that you forget about little Omi. me. When you're tempted to think that question, which is a, a valid question, here's what you do. You remind yourself, like Daniel, he is still in control. That when situations look like he, like God doesn't know what's going on or that there's no hope, there's no chance, there's no way out of this. Like, I don't understand how God could allow this. Like, we're gonna read through Daniel and go, how could God allow that? And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in charge here. It, it may not look like it. You may be anxious. You may be scared. You may be frustrated. You may be, may be confusing. But here's the, here's the point. Ready? You don't have to know how it ends. I've got it all figured out. For your life, listen, you don't have to know how it all ends. Listen, just know this. I'm in charge. So do you trust me? That's what he wants to know. listen. If, if, if God were to show up to you in a vision through an angel, an angel shows up and says, you, you know, dearly beloved, you know, Jim, I'm sent here to tell you to trust God. Okay. Can you trust God? I'm going to tell you everything that's going to go wrong in the future. You're going to hate it all. It's going to be terrible. You're probably going to cry a lot. Do you trust me? Okay. As we read through Daniel, when life makes us, when life makes Daniel, makes us question if God really cares, we remind ourselves, he is still in control. Now, thus endeth the syllabus of Daniel, right? You've completed your first day of work, well done. We have 12 weeks of class remaining and we're gonna go through a chapter a week. So are you excited to walk through Daniel with me? Right? I'm excited to walk through with you to study this book, to look at this and say, all right, God, you know far more and far better than us. And, ready? And we hold our ideas, our thoughts, our understanding with an open hand to say, all right, I don't understand all of it, but here's what I think I'm led to believe, but I could be wrong. And I want to approach this with humility. Would you do this? Would you stand with me as we pray and then worship the Lord together? so Lord, thank you, for, thank you for the book of Daniel. Thank you for the man of Daniel and the, the, how faithful he was throughout his entire life. And as we read through Daniel this summer, Lord, will you impress on us that, that when, we, when we start to question, when life makes us question if you really care, that we are reminded every single time that you are in control that there's nothing in life that makes you move one inch from your throne. There's nothing in life that makes you say, I didn't see that coming, that in our lives, all of it, you say, do you trust me? I pray that all of us here would say, I don't know how this is all gonna work out, God, but but yes, yes, I trust you. Will you help increase our faith and trust in you through the book of Daniel as we walk through this together this summer? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.